Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 52 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by Tappies.com, the best all-paid edible on the market. I'm Wally Lukashensky, and I'm joined today by my good friends and co-hosts, Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. Let's say hello to the boys. How are you fellas doing tonight? I'm doing very well. We had a surprise diaper party the basketball team threw for me here at the school, so that's why I was a little late getting back. They they all, well, it wasn't them. Their moms pitched in and bought some diapers and stuff and brought it out of the school, so that was kind of nice to see. 52 is a great number. We're on episode 52, and it's a great number because uh, that was my football number and my basketball number uh, in high school, so... It's kind of the, the good luck charm, so this better be a fantastic episode. 52. I guess it makes sense being a middle linebacker. Casey, with you being a quarterback, I'm kind of interested to hear what your number was. And also, while we throw it over to you, how are you doing, man? Yeah, you know, my number was the greatest number ever. It's It was 11. But, no, I'm doing great, dude. Had a wind chill day yesterday, I guess you, would, you could say. School got canceled, so that was a nice little... Midweek break from the students. So, yeah, that that was nice. I want to give a shout-out to my boy Ben Roethlisberger for retiring from the NFL. He's probably a, a year or maybe three late. But, hey, uh, took us to the playoffs the last last few years, so I can't really complain too much. Hope he moves back to old Corey Rawson. Did, well, did you see in his video that he posted, he, he gave a shout-out to Finley or said that he was from Finley, Ohio. But So I thought that was interesting, but – I'm really excited to see who the Steelers go after and how hopefully this offense evolves a little bit with whoever they bring in. But Wally, I noticed on the rundown, your your intro there, so I'll chime in when you get on your topic because I completely agree with, with your take that you wrote down. Fun fact, Casey oh. is still listed in my phone as Casey Mock number 11. He's He was legit. Yeah, for sure. But I forgot to mention, I think I broke my toe today. I was in I was in gym class and I was playing tennis with the eighth graders and they were getting competitive and whatever. So I hopped on this this team with these two girls and so I had to do a lot of the work. Well, I went and I freaking ran and tried to hit this ball and the carpet underneath me like came up from this sticky like gate like came up from the sticky part. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. I'll send you guys a picture, but and then my toe went right into the wall. So I've got a, a middle toe that is like the size of my thumb. I know that's kind of not very big, but when you think of one of your toes, like it, it's pretty big. Anyway, is it true that like when you break a toe that your nail turns black and falls off? Or is that like a fake thing that's like kind of passed along by old people? Yeah, I have no idea. I've like dropped stuff on my toe before and my toes turn like my toenails turned purple and I've had to peel it off, but I've never, I don't know if it's actually broken, but it, it hurts and it's swollen. Sounds like you should file workman's comp. Well, that's what I went to my boss and I sat in, sat in the office and I was like, I asked for my principal and I said, yeah, I need to file a workman's comp or something because I, and I was kind of joking, but I mean, there's not really much you can do with a broken toe anyway. So. Oh, I'd be down there with a neck brace on. I would have been hitting a deck harder than you'd ever seen in your life. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That would have been hilarious. Yep, broken toe throughout the neck brace. It'd be pretty fun. But my take that you were referencing, a lot of times I feel like when you watch a really good weekend of sports, the response is that was the best weekend ever. 
like not being, I guess, like dramatic. Was that not the best weekend of NFL football ever? All four playoff games ended with a walk-off, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown. And then the night cap or the final game of the NFL playoff weekend was that Chiefs-Bills game. And it perhaps was one of the best playoff games we've ever seen too. So, I mean, it just got me all revved up. And it's a shame too, because next weekend is realistically, or this weekend is the last real football or normal football, it feels like, until August again. So happy last weekend, but really sad knowing it's about over. I was I was waiting those last 13 seconds because I think I was the only one that said Bills were going to win the game outright. And I was like, I, I I had the message typed up. And I was like getting ready, and I was about to push it. I was like, no, nah, I should wait because Pat Mahomes is going to do something crazy. But, God, I feel bad for the Bills, man. They're like kind of cursed. Like, this, it sucks. Yeah, so I, I was hoping that we were able to talk about this game a little bit and just the playoff weekend in general because there are a lot of people that were upset about a lot of things for the Chiefs and Bills game in particular. But outside of the overtime rules, I thought that there were a lot of controversial coaching decisions that I'd love to hear your guys' take on. I already know one. You're talking well, about not kicking off, I am at, or like squibbing instead yeah, of kicking yeah, deep. So- yeah, so that's the first one. Should the Bills have squibbed the kick with 13 seconds to go after taking the lead? Because I could I trust me, I I understand both sides. Like if you boot the ball through the end zone, you're thinking to yourself, 13 seconds, I got to go 40 40 45 yards and probably I guess they had all three timeouts, but I understand you're thinking they got to go 35 45 yards. But if you squib it and they get either a good return or they just fall on it at the 35, 40 yard line, then, you know, only one second rolls off. So I just wanted to know what you guys is, what, what would you have done in that situation? That's one of two coaching scenarios, by the way, that I want to ask you. I think you have to squib it. I, I mean, I know it's a natural reaction right after the chiefs win the game to second guess everything, but Hayden even said it with 13 seconds left. He And in a normal game, he sends that text. But this is Patrick Mahomes. This is the Kansas City Chiefs. And there's no being too careful. You do not take any chance whatsoever. And I felt like it was just a an emotional, you're emotionally high scoring. You think you're going to the AFC Championship game. You know you're about to become gods in that city. I just think it was almost like an oversight and a decision he would definitely make differently if he had a second chance. I don't, I'm not saying I disagree because I mean, you're right, but like, it's easy to play a Monday morning quarterback. The bills have like the best defense in the league or one of the, and they have two safeties that are very, very good. And I don't, I don't know. I, I just feel like you start them at the 25 with 13 seconds. You thinking, okay, maximum it's like four plays minimum, probably three. But, like, I, I don't know. I feel like you just trust your defense in that situation. Obviously, looking back, yeah, they messed up, but I don't know. In the heat of the moment, I don't I don't know what I would have done. I, I truly don't think that you can go wrong either way. Like, if you get six seconds off the clock on a kick return, that might be a lot. Four seconds off um, on a kick return, and they get it out to the 33-yard line, I think that's a win. But... You know, I I don't know. I I understand both both situations, and I I don't know what I would do. I probably would kick it through, but 
obviously, you know, looking back, it didn't really pan out for the Bills the way they thought it would. Since it is a Big Ten podcast, I think an argument against squibbing is you know, people that remember that Ohio State-Penn State game, I think it was 2018, the Ohio State-JT Barrett game. Nobody seems to remember because Ohio State won by one, but after they take the lead there with a minute, minute and a half, whatever it was, they squib it, and the guy actually makes a very nice play and knocks the ball down and falls on it at the 40. And that would be the only, I guess, argument against it is that you're taking at most a second off the clock at that point, and you forfeit 15 yards. But then at the same flip, like, Hayden, you said this is a great Bills defense, and you're right, it's one of the best in the league. Then call your defense. Don't get into this soft play the sidelines when they have timeouts bullshit. I don't know. That really upset me because if you have a great defense, don't play soft like that. Kelsey could have freaking run another 10 yards if he wanted to in that game. Wally, I I totally agree. But if they play their normal defense, the Chiefs have dudes who have unbelievable speed. You're you're there's a chance you could pull a Buccaneers where you get Cooper Cup run behind you with with no time left to win the game or you know whatever. Like I agree, I, but but you're I, also I'm just saying if your argument is this is a great defense, then you lean on the defense. Uh, yeah, but was Todd Bull saying the same thing? Well, I'm just saying, squib it then. Like that's uh, that's the whole. It goes back to this. Know, squib man. it, and then you trust your defense. I, t- trust me, I'm not. I literally, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I you could go either way. I just, uh, it's hard. It's hard because if they didn't, there. I know it's unlikely, but it was unlikely for Cooper Cup to catch a 50 yard pass to set up a chip shot field goal too, and it happened. So like, I, I don't know. I'm just sore on that subject a little bit. Yeah, and that was my my second and last coaching decision, I guess, that I wanted to talk to you guys about. You know, the Bills obviously played prevent defense, had their guys 30 yards back and not even close, and just let the they, – I guess they thought that they would let the Chiefs run the clock out, but they had three timeouts. It didn't really make sense. Would you, Hayden, as a defensive coordinator – which style do you prefer to see the the style of the Bucks? And I, I so I heard that they had a little miscommunication on that play, along with you know trying to bring pressure and leaving Cooper Cup on a safety and man to man. Do you prefer that way of playing with a tie or a lead late in the ball game, or do you prefer the way the Bills played it? And you know, obviously, neither worked out. It's like basically aggressive versus passive. Yeah, yeah, like. I know the easy answer to play a little in the middle, but just your thoughts on that situation. I This is a cop-out answer. I truly believe it depends on the quarterback you're playing. Now, you know, high school, I think it's totally different because high school, you don't have a dude, I mean, at least at our level, where a guy can make that throw 50 yards down the field. I, I guess I would I would lean towards playing your normal style and, and bringing pressure, especially at the high school level. I think once you get a little more, you know, advanced and you have guys who can, you know, zing it, it changes. But the Bucks, and, and you know, there, there's an old saying, prevent defense prevents you from winning is what happens because teams just chew up yards. I mean, they chew up yards. And, you know, I, looking back at this last football season, we had a, a game which we, we our, our very last game, we should have beat Riverdale. And we did some some things at the end that, I, I honestly I don't regret doing, but Riverdale beat us on a hail mary from 
probably the 35 yard. They threw a 35 yard pass with basically no time left. And we weren't playing prevent defense per se, but but we were playing less aggressive than what we normally do. And I, I'm not saying, I mean, I guess it is my fault, but like, I, I wouldn't change what we have done. We, we were there to make a play. We just didn't make it. So like being in that situation, I think it's so difficult, but kind of just based on some of the experiences I've had, I, I would lean towards pressure, especially at my level. That's why you guys are the coaches here. I love to hear that kind of stuff. But hey, one last observation, and then we'll get into Big Ten sports again. But they understand. I think the listeners are going to get it. I mean, they're listening to this, too, as football fans. I guarantee they're watching this. So they're probably excited about this, too. But you mentioned the Bills being cursed, Hayden. It feels weird to me to say this, but it almost gives me this. Josh Allen is going to be this generation's Philip Rivers, whereas... Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow perhaps, like perhaps could be a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady kind of level where the Bills are going to always be really good, but just consistently miss by that much. And it's just going to oh, continue to hurt Buffalo. I don't know, dude, because I think Josh Allen is really, really good. And I would say that he's a better, well, yeah, I would say he's a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers is. And I agree with that. I'm just I, more or less, you know. I, no, I get it. I mean, in, in the guys he's going against, Joe Burrow is going to be legit. And, I mean, Pat Mahomes is who he is. He's baby goat. Like, he will be the goat probably. But, I don't know. I respect Josh Allen enough to, I think they'll get it done eventually. Almost like the Big Ben of finally breaking through a couple times in that I mean, era that dude, with them. That dude played a, a pretty much a perfect game on on Sunday. Like, he played almost perfect. And, but it, doesn't that also make you a little <sighs> nervous that if the perfect wasn't good enough, what is going to take? I, well, to be yeah. fair, Pat Mahomes did play damn near perfect as well. That was the best quarterbacking game I've seen on both sides, I think, ever. I mean, it was just masterful what what both of those teams or quarterbacks did for their teams full circle bringing this to big 10 listen to how disgusting this stat is for you if the bills beat urban myers jacksonville jaguars this year that game's at orchard park and who knows what difference that could make with bills mafia up there just shows there is never a week in the nfl you can take off any given sunday and you it just shows how important it is to get that one, or I guess two seed in this case. Did you guys see that fan? He he rushed the field and Stefan Diggs just absolutely laid him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, when that happened, I the first thing that it reminded me of was when Schlegel tacked the Ohio or like tackled the Ohio State dude and slammed him on the ground. And Lauren was watching the game with me. And so I was like, did you remember that one time that the OSU fan ran on the field? And she's like, no, I don't. I was like, yeah, the coach like laid him out. And so I had to pull that up on YouTube. So that was kind of funny. On that note, we're about 15 minutes into talking NFL football here. I guess we probably should do what we came here to do. But Casey, like we always do, can you give us a little bit of an update on the recruiting corner? I know Hayden and I are probably excited. We got a Buckeye legacy coming to Ohio State. Yeah, we had to, you know, fill the time in somehow because the recruiting corner there was really dry this week. There were no significant, which significant I would classify as three stars or higher, commits for any of the football or basketball teams in the Big Ten for the class of 2022 within the past week. 
The only commit that we had this week was in the class of 2023. Ohio State lands three-star defensive lineman Will Smith Jr. out of Ohio. Like Wally mentioned, he is the the son of former Ohio State player Will Smith from the 2002 championship team. So, uh, you know, good get for Ohio State there. Really the only transfer portal news or buzz that we've had going around is Caleb Williams and Wisconsin have mutual interests. So we'll get to that later on in the show, but that's it. That's uh, Casey's recruiting corner for the week. Make sure to check it out next week. Hopefully we have some sort of news. I just wanted to expand a little bit on Will Smith Jr. This guy is not like a super, I mean, he's a three-star. He's a solid kid, but he's not like a, a, a high, a super high ranked recruit, but he has like significant room to grow. Uh, he's 6'3", 250, so I, I think Ohio State's plan is that this guy's going to be a developmental guy where they get him in and, and put 20, 30 pounds, depending on where he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to play defensive tackle or, or or end, but they, they definitely can beef him up a little bit. And just looking at his profile picture on 24-7 sports, you can see that he's like, I mean, he's a, a solid-looking kid, but he definitely has some room or poundage he could put on his frame. I just got nostalgic when I saw that story come out this week because of that 2002 year. We're on that real like beginning of remembering what that was like. It was a really special front seven with Ohio State, and it's a shame that his father's not going to be here to see him at the horseshoe and his Carlton and Gray, but I'm really excited to get him in there. But again, as always, thank you, Casey. Hopefully, before long, you got to imagine we're going to start getting some kids committing whether it be football and basketball a lot well not a lot but some kids in the 23 class are going to commit before their season starts so like they like to have that wrapped up sometime before the high school season would start so we'll be on the lookout here i don't know i guess it's almost february in the next few months for some kids to to start committing in this next class when that happens we'll be the first to let you guys know but now hayden as we always do i'm gonna throw it over to you can you give us a little bit of a basketball update since last Thursday? Absolutely. There was a pretty big week for the Big Ten. I mean, it always is this time of year. Indiana beat Purdue at home, so that was that was a huge win for them. Michigan State actually went on the road to Madison and won. They had a big lead in the first half. Really big, you know, kind of a bounce back for Michigan State after a kind of disappointing last week losing to Northwestern like they did. Maryland won at Illinois, and we were talking about Illinois being, you know, so dominant in the Big Ten, but Maryland comes in who's really fighting for really their postseason life at this point. I I guess maybe not postseason, but their NCAA tournament life. They really needed a big win, and they got it. Minnesota beat Rutgers. Iowa beat Penn State. Purdue had a huge bounce back against Northwestern, beat them by 20. And here comes Casey's Michigan Wolverines. I told them not to panic. I told him about the panic. Two big wins this week. First, they they win at Indiana, which is always a tough thing to do. Very tough. That was Indiana's first loss at home for the year, so that was huge for them. And then they, they also knocked off a Northwestern team that I know their record isn't great, but they are better than what their record shows, and I know that means nothing, but they're better than the record shows. So, so back-to-back wins for Michigan I think is pretty nice for them. Illinois holds on, beats Michigan State by a point at home, which is huge. That was a huge battle uh, at the top of the conference this week. Maryland beat Rutgers, and Indiana bounced back at home, beating Penn State by about 15. Casey, let's start with you. Because 
Hayden just brought up, you guys had a couple big wins for Michigan, at least a couple games that we thought were tricky going into the week. I know that you didn't seem as high on it yesterday, at least, when we were all in our little group message. I know you were a little upset about the refereeing in that game. But do you feel like Michigan, even if it's gradually, they're starting to turn the corner a little bit? Yeah, like I mentioned last week, you know, I thought, I, I think somebody brought up that it was a really big week for Indiana. And then I, I also said that it was a big week for Michigan. And they won. You know, I'm not going to complain about that. The win at Indiana was very impressive. They they dominated from start to finish. Then they followed it up last night with a a, a game against, like you know, okay, a better a better than the record team in Northwestern. But they came out in the second half firing. They were up by 11 just when you thought they were going to really take this game and put it out of control. They, you know, let Northwestern – Northwestern had a five-point lead with like under two minutes to go or something like that. But, uh, you know, they ended up winning the game. Like I said, you can't complain. This team is just very inconsistent and especially when it comes to their three-point shooting, I think they shot 66% from three last night. Uh, so you can't really rely on that too much. But like Wally mentioned, the foul trouble was an issue for both teams. And that's why I complained about the rest because there were something like, I, I forget last time I checked, 37 fouls or something between the two teams late in the game. It was just unreal. Uh, and two of those guys on Michigan's team that were in foul trouble are two of their better players in Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate. And we found out that Michigan has no depth when it when it comes to their big men outside of those two. So that's something that really stuck out to me. Got to keep those guys out of foul trouble. But, you know, we'll get to it here in a little bit. Michigan's got a couple big-time games this next week to really make me believe that this team has turned a corner. Just to real quickly touch on what you just said, I didn't realize – I mean, Hunter Dickinson, I had a few adult pops in me because it was during the playoff Sunday, so I was getting warmed up. But he hit a three with about five or six minutes left where it was an NBA three with a little sum because it was at the end of, uh, I think, the shot clock. I didn't know he could stripe it that well, so that was actually really cool to see. Go ahead. Yeah, Casey, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, he's somebody that put his name in the NBA draft last year, and obviously you can withdraw it they'll give you feedback or whatever and they told him he's got to start using his right hand and he's got to develop a, a some sort of range and he's really done a good job of that it doesn't really I mean he's got a smooth stroke it's not the prettiest thing in the world but man I mean he can like you have to start to guard that now and I think Big Ten teams will eventually because he's not somebody that's going to drive right by you but he's somebody that used the draft analysis very well and really attack those weaknesses in his game. Well, and it doesn't really matter how ugly your shot is if it goes in. We saw that with Marion forever in the NBA. So if he can get to that point where he's even hitting 34, 35% of his three-pointers, then hell, he might get himself drafted a little bit higher. But a couple other notes I did have is that Michigan State, I guess I didn't realize until I was looking at their stats throughout the season, is that they don't really have like that guy. They don't have the Trace Jackson Davis. They don't have the Keegan Murray, et cetera, that Big Ten teams have. They have just consistency throughout their entire roster. And you tell it's a team is who's got his hands all over. I mean, the top two guys, point averages for this team is Gabe Brown at 13.4 and then Max Christie at 10.1. This is a team that 
they can basically, because of that, compete with anybody. But then you saw last week with Northwestern, they can kind of get snuck up on when they have one of those really off days. So that's great if it, you're a hot team come March. But if you're cold, it could also be a really quick exit for Michigan State. So they're going to be really scary for me. I feel like that's been Michigan State's M.O. the past, like, I don't know, five years, I would say. They just don't really have that guy that can take over and, you know, give you 25 in a night. Yeah, I mean, the Middle Tennessee State upset a few years ago, I know it was like a 90-something, a high 80-score game, but it was a team that going into it, even with a guy that was a a pretty good scorer, oh, God, who was it in that year? Oh my God! Uh, was it Valentine that year, Denzel? Oh, that I I I don't know. But if it was Denzel Valentine, that had to have been f- four or five years ago. Yeah, it was right on that edge of what I was saying about f- four or five or so. But that was realistically the last time they were a championship kind of team. And right now, I I don't know. I'm just nervous because we've seen this kind of stretch now come March that they struggle. Do you guys know <clears throat> that? Illinois against Michigan State, they won by a point. They were playing without Cokeburn and Curbelo, which, I mean, makes that win. I know it was at home, but I think that makes that win look even better than it already was playing without those two guys. Pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, I was able to catch the the second half, well, later in the second half of that game, and I thought Illinois was going to blow it, to be honest with you. But then they showed them on the bench, I guess, Coburn had a concussion, and I'm, I'm not sure what was wrong with Curbelo, but yeah, that that's kind of, I mean, shoot, that's a that's a big time loss, and they were still able to pull that out. That's big time. I wanted to ask you guys a couple questions real quick before we go into next week. Maryland last week they had a couple really big wins. Northwestern they keep competing, but they're falling short. It felt like going into this last week they were in very similar spots in terms of trying to get to. The NCAA tournament, Northwestern, it's going to take a lot now. Do you guys think, out of the 14 teams right now, how many would you have a guess would make it? Because I think I'm somewhere stuck between 9 and 11, and I can't really fixate on a number. I think my number would be 9. And I'll list them if you want. Please do, yeah. I'll throw my four after as well. Obviously, the top five in the standings are going to make it. That's Illinois, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Purdue. Uh, I think Indiana gets gets in. I think Michigan's going to get in because I think they're going to turn it around. And that's, I mean, they're probably, even at 10 and 7, they, you know, if that translated to the rest of the year, they still could. I think Iowa is going to get in. So that's what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then I'm going to choose one between Rutgers and Maryland. One of them's going to get in. Casey, how about you? I have I have 10, so I'm one higher than Hayden. I'll list mine after you go. Where are you at in that number here? Yeah, I'm I'm honestly debating on putting in eight teams right now. Um I know I'm a little down on Michigan still, but you know, I think the top six will probably get in. The the thing is about the Big Ten is you have plenty of opportunities to get quad one wins. And that's that's an advantage for the Big Ten, I would say, because if you're a 19 and 13 team, but you have six quad one wins, then you're more than likely going to get in. But also, you know, it's a disadvantage because you're playing a, a really tough schedule. 
So looking at the standings right now, I would say nine max. I don't think there's any more than that. So I'm interested to hear who your 10th team is, Wally. To make it easy and cut times, I'll tell you who I have not making it. So I have Nebraska is not going to make it. Northwestern, regrettably, has left it too far. I see Casey threw his hands up for Nebraska. They're going to reel it off right now, come back from 10 down with three minutes left against Wisconsin and start the run. But beyond Northwestern and Nebraska, Penn State won't make it. And now I think you get to the teams that are going to be bubble teams at the end of the year. I think that either Minnesota, Maryland, or Rutgers is going to be left out. And I think that you're going to get two of those three in, which is going to almost lead us into Hayden, you throwing us into next week's games. But Minnesota's week this coming up here is monumental to them. They are, at this point of the year, 11-5 overall, 2-5 in conference. And this next week, they have three ranked opponents. That it's going to be, even winning one is going to be a really tough task. Yeah, Minnesota just sucks in conference. I mean, shoot, they're two. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they beat Michigan, but they've got to pick that up because at this rate, my goodness, they. I don't think they're they're going to make it. No, and, and that's unfortunate too, the way they started the year. But what even if a team, let's say at the end of the year, they have double-digit conference losses, could you see them getting in just because of how deep the Big Ten is? If they're at, let's say because they had nine non-conference wins. Let's say they get somehow to 17. Is that going to be enough for Minnesota? I, I don't remember if Minnesota has had some games canceled. I would assume they have, since they've only played 16 when other teams have played 20 or, or 19 or 20. That's a factor. If they can reschedule some games, obviously that I think that would probably play to their advantage. But... So 17 wins for that Minnesota team means that they would go seven and eight in the oh man. I that that's so tough, man. That's that's really tough. It's gonna be for me at least, it's one of my main like fun things to look at the second half of this conference season, anyways, because if they can turn it up, it kind of is a little bit of a Cinderella story after how if we were tearing them down. It's nothing compared to what the national media did this last year. They have been just put through a blender and to come out the way they did. I think everybody's rooting for Minnesota. So hopefully it happens. But Hayden, now can you actually fill us in on the games coming up this week? Especially some, I guess we don't have a ton of ranked opponents, but still, some fun games this next week. Yeah, I sure can, Wally. Uh, tonight, Ohio State is going to Minnesota, and actually Ohio State just announced that um, Jamari Wheeler's not playing tonight, so starting point guard out for a Big Ten road game maybe could be a cause for problem. Wisconsin is actually playing Nebraska right now, and they're up by about 10 with three minutes to go. Purdue also plays at Iowa tonight. Friday, we have nothing. Saturday, Michigan's at Michigan State to continue Michigan's big stretch here. Indiana is at... Maryland, Illinois at Northwestern, Rutgers at Nebraska. Sunday, Ohio State plays at Purdue. That'll be that should be a pretty good one. It'll be interesting to see how Purdue's size is, is going to affect Ohio State. Minnesota is at Wisconsin on Monday. Penn State plays at Iowa. Tuesday, Michigan State at Maryland. Rutgers at Northwestern, and Nebraska goes to Michigan. Wednesday, Purdue is at Minnesota, and Wisconsin plays at Illinois. 
Thursday to finish up, Iowa goes to Columbus. Who are they playing in Columbus? Uh, I think Columbus State University. What is Columbus State's nickname? We're obviously the Buckeyes. Well, what what are they? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I was obviously just kidding. <laughs> but no, were you, were you were you kidding, Casey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They I'm are the Cougars. Columbus State Community College Cougars. All right. All right, Casey. We'll start again with you. Things you're looking forward to this weekend? Matchups, players, anything? Yeah, obviously, I'm looking forward to the you know big time games this week. Michigan typically doesn't play at Michigan State very well, so I'm kind of expecting them to lose there. The Ohio State and Purdue game will be, uh, I think it will be a really good game. And that game is at noon on Sunday, so that is awesome. That's a great tune-up right before the uh, conference championships that day, the NFL conference championships that day. And then Kofi Coburn should return, I would assume, from his concussion for that big-time matchup against Wisconsin on Wednesday. So, that should obviously help the Illini. Um, that, those are really the games that I'm focused on this week. How about you, Hayden? Anything that's standing out to you? How about the Buckeyes, too? I know that they've kind of been a little hit and miss since their COVID break. That COVID break screwed them, man. Screwed them. They were playing well before, and they just haven't. I don't, I'm not, they haven't played as well since. Like I said, that, that Purdue game, I, I think it's going to be tough just because, one, it's on the road, first of all, any road road game and conference is tough. I'm sure Purdue will be favored in that game. But also, it's going to be interesting to see how Ohio State deals with, I said it before, the size of Purdue. Because, you know, Ohio State doesn't have that 6'11 or 7-foot guy that they can throw out there consistently and, and you know, match up with that. So it'll be interesting to see how they defend it and what they choose to do, you know, against Purdue. Also, the Wisconsin at Illinois game, I think, is going to be very good. You know, looking at the standings in the Big Ten, it's it's actually crazy. The top four teams as of right now are within a game of first place. So Michigan State and Wisconsin are both a half game out. Ohio State plays tonight. If they win, they'll be a half game out. And ironically, the highest ranked team, Purdue, is a game and a half out. So they're not even in the top four in the conference right now, which is bizarre because they're the number six team in the country. So... You know, we got a long way to go, but if this race stays like this, it's going to be a crazy finish. It'll make you happy anyways, Hayden. I can't help myself. Whenever I bet against Ohio State basketball, they win. But I don't know how Ohio State's going to be able to handle the sides of Purdue. And I think that Purdue's going to, I think, beat up on the Buckeyes a little bit. So I'm kind of interested to see what that line is. I would take Purdue no matter what the yeah. I mean, not no matter what, but I would take it. To what a would you guess the margin. line is? Like, what would you guess? Because I'm thinking right. it might be upwards of ten. Yeah, well, I wasn't that high. I was probably going to say seven and a half, but that's. I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there. Either way, I think I'd be betting it as long as it's not up to like twelve and a half or something like that. It just doesn't feel like a good matchup. But beyond that game, the one. Main focus I have this week, for me anyways, is even with that Michigan loss last week, I think Indiana's for real, but they're going to have to kind of prove it now because they've been playing at home all season. They are 12-1 and at home, which means they've played five road games. They're 1-4 and on the road. At some point, you're going to have to start winning road games if you're going to be taken seriously as more than just a fun novelty six or seven seed in the tournament. If you want to be an actual contender, you got to put on your big boy pants and start winning games on the road. 
and and I guess the two guys for me that I'm really focused on because it's naturally everybody talks about Trace Jackson Davis, but Race Thompson and Xavier Johnson helped that team go just as well as he does. Where they have their roles, where Xavier is, he is phenomenal with the ball in his hands. He creates. I know that in college you don't actually see assist numbers that high, but he's up. I want to say it was high fours. And for with a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, that's huge. And then Race Thompson, over seven rebounds a game. I really think that this team can do something and make a little bit of run, maybe get to the second weekend in the tournament. I just really need to see them start doing it on the road. Yeah, well, I completely agree with you. And, you know, their game last night was a perfect example. They lost to what is a, I think we could agree, a bad Penn State team on the road earlier this month. And then last night, they were up by 30 at halftime to that same team at home. So I, I agree with you. I think you could say that for a lot of the Big Ten teams, though. Uh, you know, Ohio State is undefeated at home. I forget. I don't know where the standings went. But a lot of the – it's obvious, you know, Big Ten basketball or college basketball in general, you're going to play a lot better on the road. Iowa's 11-1 at home, 2-4 and four on the road. So – you know, if you can snag a road win for like, especially for the Buckeyes tonight, like Minnesota at home isn't as big of a game as Minnesota is on the road. If you can snag this one tonight, that's a that's a really good win. By the way, Buckeyes are six point favorites right now. Interesting. I saw it drop down to five and a half. Are you trying to give me bad vibes? Positive vibes only, man. I, I, I'd be worried. Yeah, I, I mean, I would be too. Playing at the barn, that place can get nuts. Well, and then going into what we were saying about Minnesota, if that's a game, if they can steal, that's the kind of stuff they're going to need to get back into, I guess, the discussions of being that bubble team. So that's, for me, another really fun game, at least to watch tonight. You guys will know at home by the time you're listening to this how it went. But what do you guys say? We can actually switch gears, go to some other current event news in the Big Ten. We want to remind you guys that Pigskins and Nylon is brought to you by Tabbies.com the best Delta 8 THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not into Delta 8 THC, that's not a problem. Tabby's offers an option with no THC while using the same proprietary drug delivery system to ensure that guaranteed dosage of CBD. Right now, Tabbies.com offers three flavors, galactic fruit, watermelon, and mint. Mint is my personal go-to, and it's perfect anytime you are feeling anxiety and stress running your life. As some of you may know, I've been battling depression and anxiety for a long time. Products like this really help me when I'm feeling overwhelmed. It's not a quick fix, but it really has helped me, and I'd recommend them to anybody, even if they weren't our sponsor. So please make sure you do follow them on Instagram and Facebook, at Tabby's Co. That's Tabby's Co. spelled T-A-B-E-A-S-E-C-O to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at tabbies.com and with the promo code BIG10, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. We got to start here. It's what everybody's been talking about. There's really not a ton of new stuff going on with Jim Harbaugh and the Raiders. If anything, the news of the Raiders interviewing guys like Josh McDaniels, Todd Bowles, it's kind of lending to the idea that Jim Harbaugh is probably going to stay at Michigan. But if he isn't going to stay, if for whatever reason he isn't there, guys like Matt Rule in the NFL have come out and said, hey, that's a job I'd be very interested in if it comes to be. 
What do you guys make of this? You got to imagine the longer this goes on, the more likely it is that Jim Harbaugh will be back in Ann Arbor. Mm, Yeah, I I think that I would agree that the longer it, I I don't know though, because I kind of feel like the longer it's taking, the more that like, it's still a realistic option, you know, but I, I don't know. I also think that the trend right now is that Harbaugh is going to return to Michigan. But again, you know, the process is taking a really long time and we don't have any answers yet. So I, I have no idea. And Wally, where did you see that Matt Rule said that? I, I did not see that. That was really interesting. Again, kind of a random guy I didn't even think about as a potential replacement. If you give me one second, Hayden, you want to give your thoughts on this? I'd be happy to go look it up. Yeah, I think Matt Rule. For for let me start. I I think Jim Harbaugh is probably more likely to stay at Michigan than go to the NFL at this point. I I'm more with Wally. I think the longer this drags out, the better the odds that he returns. Matt Rule, yeah, Casey, that's that is interesting. I don't I I don't think that would be a, a good hire and. I don't know. I, I guess he was successful in his years in college, but like, I don't know. He he is a Penn State guy. If you didn't know that, he, that's where he went to college. So he is like a a Midwesternish kind of guy. But I just don't know if that would be a good fit. According to Sporting News, an article written by Joe Rivera, Matt Rule among several NFL head coaches who would want Michigan job should Jim Harbaugh leave. Now, I don't do a ton of Sporting News, but. It was anyways reported, so if that is the case, it's it. even if I don't like Matt Rule, because I'm kind of with you, Hayden, I don't think it'd be a good hire, that's also encouraging that NFL head coaches are looking at the Michigan head coaching job and thinking that could be a potential upgrade. Because that's not well, something a few years ago yeah, that was possible. But NFL head coaches who are probably going to get canned, right? He, well, I mean, hey, how he long probably has he- another year. That's the key. If he's bailing for that year, I don't know. Yeah, another year of five five or six wins. It was Zach Taylor who had only one year left, too, last year, remember? And now, all of a sudden, it looks like that guy lucked into the greatest job ever. But speaking of coaching changes, especially at Michigan, Mike McDonald is soon to be named the Ravens' new defensive coordinator. So, naturally, our next thought is, who is Michigan going to bring in? And I want to start... It just feels funny with all the wife-swapping of the Ravens in Michigan the last few years, and looks like it might still be happening in the future. Casey, we'll go to you first. Who, if you're Jim Harbaugh, and naturally we have to do this as Jim Harbaugh right now, who would you be calling to try to fill that defensive coordinator position? Gosh, if if I could pick one person, oh man, well, I don't know. Realistically, I know Derek Mason just got a new job. Where did, where did he end up going? He left Oklahoma State. Auburn with Oklahoma. So, you know, you got to think Michigan would be an upgrade. They could probably pay him more. That's why Jim Knowles went to Ohio State. So he would be a great recruiter, I think. And obviously he's a pretty good defense coordinator too. But some of the other potential replacements that I've heard are promoting within with either Steve Klingscale or Mike Elston, who's the, the new defensive line coach that Michigan just brought in from Notre Dame. And then I've also heard like Vic Fangio, which I'm not sure he would want to go to the college ranks, but you know, him and Harbaugh work together and 
you know, went to the Super Bowl with the 49ers, all that stuff. So I'm not sure that he's going to do it, but that's just a name that I've heard thrown out there. The only problem with like Klinkscale and Elston is that they've never called a defense before. So obviously Michigan would be risking a lot or investing in, in these two younger, I guess Elston's not really that young, but I, I don't know. I would try to go national if you could get a guy like Derek Mason to flip after he just took this job. I think that's the way you could go. But other than that, honest, honestly, Jim Harbaugh's made really good hires as defensive coordinator since he's been at Michigan. DJ Durkin had a great first year at Michigan. Don Brown had a great first two to three-ish years at Michigan. He just didn't let him go when he should have let him go. And then obviously Mike McDonald was a great hire as well. So I'm more confident that Jim Harbaugh will, if I guess, if Jim Harbaugh is a coach, that he will make the right decision for the defensive coordinator position. I don't know if you guys know this, but I am actually a huge Derek Mason fan. And I think he's really, really good. And I think he knows his stuff. I, I think he has like a negative something negative around him because of like the Vanderbilt job and you know how things went there. But Vanderbilt's like an impossible job, really. I, I think, you know, his record wasn't good, but he he went to two bowl games. I mean, not like that. That's great in seven years, but v- Vanderbilt's a tough place to coach, but I think he is great defensively. And if they were able to do that, that'd be impressive. The only problem is like you guys have mentioned, he literally just took a job at Oklahoma State yesterday. So that I mean that would be I think a tough ask of him to back out of that after announcing it yesterday. But wouldn't you rather back out after one day than opposed to a month in? It's a lot easier as a person to say, "Hey, you know what? I'm out." than to look your kids in the eyes a month into knowing them. Like at least after a day, it's kind of like, "Screw that guy. We didn't want him anyways." I, yeah, yeah I, I guess I don't. But I just think it's tough for him to leave after one. I one day is better than one month, but I just don't think somebody. Well, I guess it can happen, but I don't think he would do it. Didn't Manny Diaz do that? With, didn't he take the Temple job or something? And then a few days later, the Miami job came open, and he's like, "All right, I'm out," and went to Miami. It's far from unprecedented. We've seen it happen before. I don't know specific names off the top of my head, but. It very well could have been Manny Diaz. I just, again, not 100%. But a couple other names here that at least I thought were interesting was Larry Foote, outside linebacker coach with Tampa Bay right now. There have been some ties to Michigan. Obviously, he's a former Michigan great there. And he's 41. He can sell these kids on being a NFL player, knows how it's going to, or what it's going to take to get there and what it, it took to stay there. So I thought he was an interesting one. And then John Heacock, the defensive coordinator at Iowa State. I thought that perhaps if Jim Harbaugh really likes him, but it can kill two birds with one stone. If he ends up still not sure if he's going to be around for the long haul, I could see him because he does love Michigan, hiring him, and then it almost leads an opening to Matt Campbell to come in. He already's got roots tied with that guy. And that way, at least... You'd imagine it's as, as smooth as a transition as you could hope for. If Todd Bowles does, in fact, get a head coaching job, people around the Buccaneers think that he could be a possibility to be promoted to a defensive coordinator spot, just FYI. 
Well, and that's the thing. It's He has to then ask himself, is Michigan going back being a legacy there, is that more important than perhaps being a Super Bowl contender? Because even if Tom Brady retires, that's a loaded defense. That's a loaded offense. All it takes is another competent quarterback, and the Bucs aren't going to be bad. Our last topic of today, Caleb Williams. Not a place we expected, at least when he announced he potentially could be transferring. Wisconsin. He might be looking to possibly do a little Russell Wilson 2.0. We already know it's a very pro-style offense. And for years, we've just been saying, if Wisconsin ever figures it out, if they can ever get themselves a quarterback, they're going to be not only a Big Ten threat, but a national threat. It looks like they are going to hire Ravens tight end coach Bobby Ingram, which is another pro mind coming in. What do you guys think? Do you think it's a realistic option, or is this kind of white noise right now that's going to be flushed out pretty quick? I'm really not sure, but wow, Caleb Williams to Wisconsin would be absolutely amazing. I I am all for that. The the five-star guy I, I think would be able to turn the corner for a Wisconsin team that is really pretty darn good all around except for at that position. So I, I think it would be really, really cool and really good for the Big Ten. I'm not really sure that Wisconsin will be able to hold off USC in the battle for Williams, though. But if they do, that would obviously be a, a massive win for the Badgers. That That is 100% facts. This, this is like a program-changing thing if they got him because we know that he has some insane talent, and that is the one thing Wisconsin has been lacking is in talent at quarterback. And if they get that, watch out. Like I said, it would be great for them. It would be good for the conference as a whole, but for certain teams who would have to play them potentially twice, I think it would be a bad thing for that specific program. Which we will definitely next week, because people are going to be wondering why we haven't brought up the talk about the Big Ten going down to eight games. And it's a bunch of bullshit is what it is. <laughs> we'll have more time, obviously, next week. We won't spend as much time. Well, we might spend as much time on the NFL, but we'll have more time to talk about that and the, what the what ramifications of that will be. But this is, I think even if this doesn't make them a playoff team, if they could get Caleb Williams, we're spoiled, Hayden. Everybody knows it where we went into the Rose Bowl and we were like, oh my God, we have to play Utah in the Rose Bowl. We're not in the playoff. For teams like Wisconsin, that is the biggest deal on earth to them. When they were up there, I or when I lived up there, they went three straight times and they lost three straight times. But every single time, it kind of had that buzz that we get around college football playoffs. And oh, even just getting to the Rose Bowl and winning for that fan base and everything, it would be so rewarding after 20 years of getting to the mountaintop and falling back, it seems like, every single time. Oh, you're right. I would just hate it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you there, but I think we're good there. So that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by TabEase.com, the world's best Delta 8 edible. We'll be back next week. We'll talk more Big Ten basketball and any other current events, including that discussion of the Big Ten going to eight conference games and potentially having or doing away with divisions. Definitely not a fan, or at least the three of us won't be. You'll want to tune in for us to probably shred that apart. But otherwise, what do you guys want to leave our listeners with tonight? Yeah, I can't wait until that conversation comes around because 
I think for the first time, we're all three going to be in agreement on something. So that's going to be a really fun show for us. You know, excited for these uh, for these uh, NFL championships this weekend. Four really good teams. You know, San Francisco's got a really good defense. So I'm really looking forward to that. Sunday in, in general, I mentioned the Ohio State game is at noon. So that's that's going to be a really fun Sunday for me. It was really weird to see a text go through and then all three of us immediately be like, oh yeah, I'm on your side. Because we, it, the, it's always a fight in there. So for once, we all got to be like high-fiving and agreeing with each other. Next week will be a lot of fun. But Hayden, what about you? Final thought for us tonight. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm like obsessed with the weather because I'm an old man now. But Boston is getting some snow this weekend. And when I mean some snow, I'm saying like predicted 35.6 inches of snow. Which is basically three feet. Could you imagine getting three feet of snow dumped on you at once? Just three feet. What do you even do? Like, how do you keep up with shoveling? How does the city even, like, work if you have three feet of snow just coming down on you? Crazy. That's where you have to be, what, doing the snowblower every five inches. Because you can't let that guy get too high on you. It gets out of hand. But I guess my last thought, and then I'll let you guys go, is more of a question for you guys. So Nebraska, we went into the year really hopeful, thought they had a chance to at least make some noise. They have not won a conference game yet. Do they win a conference game? And if it happens, I know we don't have the schedule in front of us. Who is it going to be against? Oh, gosh. They they are not very good. But I have to think that they're going to win a conference game. I think if you put the over-under at two and a half, I would still take the over they will definitely win at least one. They have to. I don't. Has that ever happened where a team won zero conference games? God, if it has, I. It's been a while because I have no idea. My only guess when I looked at their schedule, and it's not good because it's their next game, but it's Rutgers coming to town. There's a lot of difficult games here on their schedule, so it would be so demoralizing after bringing in a five star to, to go winless in conference. Ugh, be pretty gross. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you back here next week for episode 53 of Pigskins and Nylon.